Hi everyone, Tommy here, to let you know that the St. Dimpna's Playbook book is now available from Ave Maria Press. You can order wherever books and ebooks are sold. We'll put a link to the book on Ave's website in the show notes so you can go and check it out and use the code BEWELL, all one word, to get 25% off. Thanks so much! Dorothy Day once said, We cannot love God unless we love each other, and to love, we must know each other. Welcome to the 104th episode of St. Dymphonus Playbook, the SDP, if you want to be cool, a production of the Grexley Podcast Network. My name is Tommy. I'm a cradle Catholic, a marriage and family therapist, a husband and father of five boys, four on earth and one in heaven. I love you, Luke. And I'm here to fill the void of Catholic conversations about mental health because I want us all to understand the huge impact we can have in the life of another if only we're willing to get to know them. We like to kick it off around here with a quick refresh of our notifications. It's time for St. Dymphna's Mentions. Often we get questions sent our way that are related to the big question, why would God give us mental illness? And today we have a variation on that one that comes to us like this. Have mental health issues been around since Adam and Eve? Did our Lord create us with mental issues or were they developed in humans over time? Of course, it's important for me to underscore that I'm not a theologian and most certainly not an expert in theology or original sin or anything like that, but I can give it my best shot. To answer your first question, no, I don't believe that mental health symptoms existed prior to the fall. This is just me trying to piece things together, but it would seem to me that prior to the fall, there was no illness, no anxiety, no worry, no depression, etc. So it must be that mental health symptoms have developed in humans over time. It seems to me as I look at my own thoughts and listen to the experiences and explanations of so many others that our day-to-day mental health symptoms like mild depression, mild anxiety, and the like are now a part of the human condition. We struggle to maintain joy. We struggle not to be worried about the future or regret the past. And so I have to imagine that those mild symptoms we all experience are now just a part of our human nature. Moderate to severe mental illness is a different question. And in fact, that piece of it relates to the big question, right, of why God allows us to suffer, why he allows illness at all. And that's the question we all ask ourselves at different times throughout our lives. Of course, there isn't really a satisfactory answer. Believers have been trying to sort it out for generations. It would seem to me, however, that God respects nature. And at least we can say currently that nature leads to some of us experiencing mental illness based on our genetics. And uh, and in a way, nature leads to some of us experiencing mental illness after living through various experiences like trauma, substance abuse, a pandemic. The list goes on and on. And God seems to allow that to play out. He doesn't reach down from heaven to rescue us from this suffering. He does do two things, however. One, he brings people into our lives who can help us either by suffering alongside us, walking with us through our difficulties, or helping us by providing supportive therapy or medication. And two, he provides good out of our pain. This isn't always helpful to hear, but there is good that can come out of our suffering. We see it on the cross first and foremost, and we see it in little ways all throughout our lives. God, of course, wants all to be saved, not just in terms of heaven and hell, but also in terms of wanting us to be saved from our pain and anguish. And we are assured that will happen one day. And when it does, 
nothing will be able to rob us of our joy. I'm not sure how helpful that answer was, but hopefully it's at least a starting point for working our way through this. So each episode, I'm going to introduce you to a saint who can help us along our journey with mental health and wellness as Catholics. It's called Friend Request, and today I'm going to introduce you to St. Gertrude the Great. Born in 1256 in the Holy Roman Empire, Gertrude was entered into the local monastery at the age of four, some speculate as an orphan after the death of both of her parents. She received a wonderful education and became an author of great spiritual works. At age 25, she experienced the first of a series of visions that continued throughout her life. Through these visions, she devoted herself more deeply to prayer, meditation, and the writing of spiritual works for her sisters, and this led to her becoming one of the greatest mystics of the 13th century, even developing the idea of nuptial mysticism, where she saw herself as the bride of Christ, something we kind of take for granted when thinking about religious life today. Five manuscripts of hers still exist today, and her prayers were recommended by the likes of St. Philip Neri and St. Francis de Sales. We like to close out this part of the podcast with a prayer. Eternal Father, I offer thee the most precious blood of thy divine Son, Jesus, in union with the masses said throughout the world today for all the holy souls in purgatory, for sinners everywhere, for sinners in the universal church, those in my own home, and within my own family. Amen. And now, you can't do therapy over Twitter, but I'm happy to take your tweets and help you explore a bit in the hopes of finding a light in the darkness. It's time for Twitter Therapy. Alyssa gets us started. I've had a nightmare that was caused from anxiety and had since increased my anxiety, and I've tried to get rid of it, but it just keeps playing over and over in my head. How do I process it and get rid of it? Let's start by praying for Alyssa and everyone experiencing anxiety-triggered nightmares that only worsen our anxiety for peace throughout the day and the night. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. First off, I want to let you know that you're not alone in your experience. According to WebMD, between 2% and 8% of the adult population is plagued by nightmares. So while I know that doesn't make things better, it does sometimes help to know that this is an experience many people have. There are so many reasons that nightmares might keep popping up in our sleep patterns from medications that we take, to late night snacking, to sleep deprivation, and to depression and anxiety like you mentioned. And excessive anxiety does tend to lead to chronic and recurrent nightmares. To have a look at the steps we can take before seeking professional help to try and work through this issue, we go back to WebMD. Behavioral changes have proven effective for 70% of adults who suffer from nightmares, including those caused by anxiety, depression, and PTSD. Imagery rehearsal treatment is a promising cognitive behavioral therapy for recurrent nightmares and nightmares caused by PTSD. The technique helps chronic sufferers change their nightmares by rehearsing how they would like them to transpire. In some cases, medications may be used in conjunction with therapy to treat PTSD-related nightmares, though their efficacy has not been demonstrated as clearly as 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 that of the imagery rehearsal treatment. 
Keeping a regular wake-sleep schedule is also important, so is engaging in regular exercise, which will help alleviate nightmare-causing anxiety and stress. You may find that yoga and meditation are also helpful. Remember to practice good sleep hygiene, which will help prevent the sleep deprivation that can bring on nightmares in adults. Make your bedroom a relaxing, tranquil place so that you don't associate it with stressful activities. Also, be cautious about the use of alcohol, caffeine, and nicotine, which can remain in your system for more than 12 hours and often disrupt sleep patterns. And back to me, remember that it's always an option to reach out to your primary care doctor or a therapist for help if the nightmares keep up after trying those coping skills. Anonymous is up next. How do I help my daughter who is suffering from PTSD after her brother passed away three years ago? She's gotten into the darkness of the internet and is confused about life, and she also talks about three imaginary friends who are very dark and violent and always killing. Why is she reverting to so much violence? She has a therapist, but I still worry about her. And as a father, she tends to push me away because I am too faith-oriented. Let's start by joining in prayer for Anonymous and for Anonymous's daughter, for peace and a clear path toward being a good support. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. First off, I just want to say how great it is that you're looking at how to help your daughter go through this difficult moment in her life. The traumatic experiences you reference really are very difficult to move through, and it's great that you recognize that and you want to help. I'll start with the last part first, where you mentioned that she tends to push you away because you're too faith-oriented. Being faith-oriented is wonderful, but when we're helping someone who is suffering, we have to be willing to meet them where they're at. Oftentimes, it'll be more helpful to actively listen, assist with coping skills or getting connected to care, things like that, than it will to offer to pray with someone or ask if you can pray for them or encourage some other faith-connected activity like reading scripture to find relief, things like that. When we're suffering, especially with trauma, it can be hard to accept God's love and to envision how he might be able to help, right? And so as family members, we have to accept this. And sure, we can pray for people on our own, of course, right? But we really should spend time listening and trying trying to help based on where someone's at when we're with them, if that makes sense. I'm not sure how old your daughter is, but the symptoms you mentioned seem to necessitate a visit to see a professional to me. I'm, I'm glad to hear that she's in therapy, but the items you mentioned, especially around the violent themes that might mean, uh, they, they might mean getting a consultation with a psychiatrist might be a good next step. So perhaps setting up an appointment with a primary care doctor and requesting a referral for a psychiatric consultation would be the way to go. Healthline provides some thoughts for us here related to this, including that imaginary companions can be normal, but we have to be on the lookout for when they aren't. While most imaginary friends are thought of as kind, friendly, and obedient, not all have been described as so, and some have been called disruptive, rule-breaking, or aggressive. It's possible that some imaginary friends even frighten, upset, or cause conflict within children. While many children express control or influence over their imaginary friend's behavior, other children describe it as out of their control. If your child has sudden disruptive changes in their behavior and is experiencing something much more than an imaginary friend, reach out to their pediatrician or a mental health professional. I hope that helps. 
Sean wraps us up with so many loved ones working in the medical field and a number of friends losing family members early on. The pandemic was clearly a pro-life issue for me from the start. Protecting others from sickness and death was a clear moral imperative. I've continued to feel underserved by my local parishes, not taking steps to mitigate risk and failing to offer ways to continue participating with reasonable safety. How can my wife and I continue to meaningfully practice our faith with stewardship so frequently falling short? Let's start by praying for Sean, his wife, and everyone finding it difficult to engage with our faith when it seems as though the community around us isn't willing to ensure reasonable safety measures are being taken. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. You are 100% correct when you say that protecting others from sickness and death during this pandemic, and always, as much as we reasonably can, is a moral imperative. And it's very hard to come back to our communities during this time when we don't see that imperative taken seriously, don't see simple measures being put in place to help everyone feel safe, and it can end up keeping us away. Many people have felt this way in their own parishes, so you're definitely not alone. It can be so hard to meaningfully stay close to our faith during a time when we feel like the community isn't doing what it should to bring us all together in a way that keeps us safe. And while we've learned ways to try over the past year and a half um, to, to stay connected, most of them fall short compared with regular attendance at Mass. So what many of us have had to do is seek out Masses that are safe, seek outdoor Masses, parishes that have certain Masses, masses where everyone agrees to mask, certain Masses where not as many people are present so that we can stay spaced out. Truly, if I've learned anything during this pandemic, it's that allowing myself to drift away from my faith isn't good for my emotional well-being. So the imperative for me and my family becomes how to engage in our faith in a way that helps us stay emotionally and spiritually connected while also figuring out how to feel as safe as possible. And that's going to vary for each family, but I hope it gives you a good place to start. All right, everyone, that's it for today's episode. Remember, you can email, DM, or tweet your questions and situations if you'd like me to address them in a future episode. I'd be happy to keep you anonymous or not, whatever you want. Be sure to check out patreon.com slash grexley to see all the great things they've got going on over there and support the cause. Until next time, go easy on yourselves, take care of yourselves, and if you feel like you're in a place where you can't even bring yourself to pray, don't worry. I'll be praying for you, and so will St. Dymphna. 